0: to the Redeemer 20 Sermon Podcast, where our goal is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. My name is Luke Dirks, and I'm your host, and I'm also privileged to lead the 20s ministry at Redeemer Church in beautiful Rockford, Illinois. The sermon you are about to hear was preached at our Thursday night gathering at 7 p.m. We hope you enjoy this, and we hope you also join us at a future Thursday. So, like I said, we'll be in the book of John, so why don't you turn over in your Bibles to John chapter 5, um, and as you're turning, I just want to say, uh, my wife and I love this ministry, um, and so uh, we love being here, um, I think, my wife and I have been married now three, almost three years, and so that means we're coming up on almost five years since um, I started running 20s, and uh, man, I could not imagine, I could not imagine all that God has, has done, I'm just so thankful. I remember uh, in 2018, I had an apartment downtown Rockford, Mulberry and Church, if you know where that is, and I was, one night I was out praying on the roof, and I was just walking around, and I was, I was, I was preparing a sermon. I was going, Lord, I'm preparing, but, but is anybody even going to come? Like, Lord, you have to bring the people in, and, and, um, you know, 20s was a lot smaller, a lot less people back then, and, and the Lord, I just felt, said, worry about the sermon, man. (laughs) And uh, it's just been so cool to see God's faithfulness over time, and, and God brings so many faithful leaders, and I, I just give God thanks for, for the leaders that we have now and, and the work that God is doing. So praise Him, right? Praise Him for what He's doing. Well, tonight, again, I'm, I'm excited to share this text with you, John chapter 5, and it's about a man who has been disabled for 38 years. That's a long time, right? And, uh, you know, the only, the only comforts he knows are his street bed and the small living that he makes begging. If you and I saw him on the road, we'd probably ignore him, try to ignore or, or avoid his eye contact. Um, you know, even it, it even says that no one could help him, no one would help him, which means that his friends and family had abandoned him, this man. But Jesus hadn't. Jesus hadn't abandoned this man, right? That preaches, right? That is, if you're a Christian in here, that's your story too, right? We were broken, we were dead in our sin, but God, right? And that's what this text is about. It's, it's more than just a Jesus healing a, a sick man. It's about what Jesus can do spiritually in you and I. He can heal our soul. Because what's a bigger, bigger miracle, Yes, it's a miracle that Jesus can heal a sick body. But the bigger miracle is that Jesus can heal a sick soul. That's way bigger of a miracle. And so uh, my sermon title tonight is, It's Time for Change. It's Time for Change. Your deepest need is for spiritual change. Do you know that? Um, For some of you, this last year might have been one of the most depressing years you've ever had. Uh, One of the most farthest, the farthest you've ever been from God. That might might, might be some of you in here. But this passage is is encouraging it. It tells us to examine our ways and look up to the healer, to look to Christ. That's what it tells us to do. It tells us to look to the Lord, the creator of everything. He can heal us. He can heal our soul. So I love this text. We're going to read it. We're going to get into it. Be attentive to God's word as I read. So I'll start in verse one. If you're ready, just say go. go. Nice. That that was not super convincing. Go. Go. Yeah. Alright, I'm convinced. We'll go, we'll read. John chapter five. This is the word of God. And after this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now in Jerusalem, by the Sheep Gate, or now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate, a pool in Aramaic called Bethsaida, which has five roofed colonnades. Now this pool is attested to in, in some contemporary scholarship. So again, just another proof that the word of God is, is true and that this is not a fable that we're reading. This is an, a historical account. So the, this pool is a, is a, is a real place. And it has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, or disabled people, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? (laughs) The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up, and when I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, Get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed, and he walked. I love that. So first, the first point I want to get across, the first thing I want you to know, the first thing the passage calls us to do is to wake up. That's my first point. Wake up. (laughs) Wake up. You see, in uh, verse 2 through 4, we see this, this place of where there's a multitude of, of disabled people. Blind, lame, and paralyzed. They're all gathered there. Just imagine that. Just imagine walking down the street and coming upon this pool and seeing a multitude of disabled people sitting around a pool. It'd be a sight for sure. Um, the closest thing I've ever experienced was my time in India. You know, in America, we have a way of, um, we have systems, we have um, institutions that help people get off the street, get help. But in India, they don't have that. And so the lame, the sick, the blind are all on the street begging. And this was kind of similar to this time. Um, so that's what, that's what is, is being depicted here. And so, um, you know, Je- Jesus singles in on this one man. And it's believed that he might have been one of the worst cases at the pool. He may have been there the longest. Um, But but what is clear is the man was unable to do anything. His condition was so bad, he'd been there 38 years. Can you imagine that? I'm 27. I can't remember the first five years of my life. Being sick is a long time. Seems like a long time. (laughs) But this man had had been an invalid for 38 years. And, um, and then he even tells Jesus, when Jesus comes to him and says, do you want to be healed? He says, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. So not only was he disabled, but his family and friends had, been, had abandoned him. <laughs> they had left him. So what's the point? The first point that, uh, again, it, this, this story is, is more than just physical healing. It's Jesus can heal, heal us spiritually. And so this disabled man, what it, what it really is is a picture of our spiritual disability. We are in a terrible condition apart from God. Do you know that? You know, some people will say this and, you know, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Have you ever heard that before? I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. But we know that's false. And the Bible tells us that no man can be spiritual apart from God. No man can. And the, ch- the text is, 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 a, is a challenge to us about our own spiritual disability. We are in a terrible condition apart from God. Matthew 15 says, uh, Jesus says this to the Pharisees. He says, out of your heart, you don't think you're, you don't think you're spiritually disabled? You don't think you, you need help? Don't you know that out of your heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, Sexual immorality, theft, false witness, gossip. He's telling the Pharisees, he's saying, you guys think when you don't wash your hands that that makes you defiled. But I tell you what really makes you defiled, you and me, is what comes out of our heart. Evil thoughts, murder, hate in our heart, sexual immorality, lust, theft, jealousy, discontentment, gossip. Jesus says, that's what defile us. That's what make make us spiritually unable to know God, spiritually disabled. We are this man. Psalm 51, David says, I was born into sin. I was born into sin. The very moment I was born, I was acquainted with sin. Sin came naturally to me, and that's true of us. And what's worse is that we can, we'll read this verse, we'll see this passage, and you'll hear me say, we're all like this, and we won't see it. It's because we're blind to the, to the gravity of our sin. We're blind to the, the, the amount that we break God's law every day. We're blind to it. We don't see it. We don't understand how deep of a sinner we are. Every day the guilt stacks up. Every day the sin stacks up. Your wrongs stack up in God's accounting book. And Don't you see that? That's why my point is wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Don't be sleeping. Don't be deceived, friend. Out of your heart is, is, comes wickedness. Do, do you not see that? You are no better than this disabled man spiritually. You know, some, sometimes, it's, sometimes it's the people that grow up in the church that have the hardest time understanding that they're a sinner. <laughs> Do you see that? Do you see what comes, in, comes from your heart? Do you see the thoughts that are manufactured out? <laughs> Wake up, friend. Wake up, friend. That, that's what this passage is saying. In order to change, in order to see... What Jesus can do, you must wake up. Number two, you know, it's not enough to be aware of your sin. You must repent. You must repent. Look at the text and think with me about being disabled 38 years. Think about not being able to walk 38 years. Some of you have injured your legs before or maybe broke your leg and you were on crutches for a while. Um, This guy was disabled 38 years. He probably can't remember a time when his legs were functioning. And, uh, you know, the interesting thing is, though he knows he's lacking, he's actually grown accustomed to his life. Think about that. I've been disabled for 38 years. I make my living. People give me, you know, alms. I have this bed. It's really interesting. You see Jesus tell him to take up his bed. He had a bed he had made. Really interesting. He had gotten comfortable in that life. And uh, kind of, he had grown accustomed to it. And that's why Jesus asked him, do you want to be healed? Now, can I be honest? When I first read this, I was kind of embarrassed for Jesus. I was like, don't ask a disabled man if he wants to be healed. <laughs> you don't do that. Of course he wants to be healed. Like, Jesus, why do you ask him, does he want to be healed? He can't walk, <laughs> you know? Um, Maybe it was only me who, who feels that. But it's like, do you want to be healed? Of course. It's like walking into a, never mind, I won't go there. <laughs> I won't say that. But it's, it's just incredulous. And, but, but when you, so the, the first time I read it, it, it seemed kind of offensive. But, but when you look at the response of the man, look at it in verse, um, in verse 7. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the water. <laughs> no one's helping me. And while I'm trying, another guy gets in my way. You know, he seems really motivated, right? Not. Nah, he doesn't. Um, he almost makes an. He makes kind of an excuse. And and I, what this is, it's it's a picture of every person's battle with sin. You know, why do we push away God? Why do we why do we have so such a hard time repenting? It's because the sin we know is comfortable. It's easy. It's known. This man, his bed was known. His life was known. He had he, he got his his steady income from the passing crowds. It was known. And we're like that with sin. Jesus offers us something new, something something glorious, and we can't even perceive it. We go, Well, but but what I have is it is that really better? We're like C.S. Lewis. We're like a, a kid making mud pies. We're content making mud pies when his parents offer him a day at the beach, right? You know, this man is a picture. He's a picture of the pleasures of sin that keep us occupied. Jesus tells the man to take up his bed. We must leave our bed as well. We must leave the things that we hold on to, the, th- the comforts of this world, We're like this man, we're holding onto rags, sleeping on the road, when we could be clothed and given life by the Savior. And that's why my point is repent. The word for repentance is metanoia, and it means to turn away, turn around, to change your mind. It's a fork in the road. And when Jesus said, repent, in Mark 1.15, he says, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. Turn away from your sin. What that means is it doesn't mean that you have to clean up your act to, to, to be acceptable to God, but what it does mean is that you have to be willing to leave it all behind. You have to be willing to let go of your sin. You have to be willing to let go of your bed and, and to take up your bed and walk. And some of us aren't willing to do that. But I, And I just plead, repent of your sins. You know, some of the, some of the biggest barriers to us even Christians, to living the life that God has intended for us is unrepentant sin, unconfessed sin, living with unconfessed sin. You want to have a miserable Christian experience? Don't confess your sin. Let it, like Matt said, burn in your bones. That's what it does. And uh, Acts 3.19 says, repent. Repent. Peter says, repent and turn to God that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Do you hear that? Times of refreshing will come from the presence of the Lord when we repent. See this man, see the, with the comfort that he must leave behind to be healed by Christ in such a picture of us. And then, and then finally, my final point is look to the healer. Look to the healer. You know, um, we don't know much about this pool. <laughs> you see, um, there's a multitude of, of invalids sitting around it. They're blind, lame, paralyzed. They're sitting at this pool. Why? We kind of get a clue from the uh, footnotes. Now, I want to warn you, the footnotes, um, in, the te- in, in the world of textual criticism, which is just the science of putting all the manuscripts of the Bible together, um, 99.9% of the Bible is just insanely attested it's the most attested book in history the the closest book to it is like caesar's gallic wars and it has five percent of the manuscript so the bible is so accurate but um, there's a couple verses here that weren't in the original text that are added in the footnotes and they kind of give us some idea of why there was so many people looking at this pool and and staying at this pool so if you if you have a bible that has footnotes you can read along with me Um, if you don't you can just listen but it there's a verse that goes after... Um, what verse is it? For an angel. So it goes after verse 3. It says, So in the pool, or in, in this area lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. And some manuscripts, insert, These people were waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons at the pool and stirred up the water... And whoever stepped in after the stirring of the water was healed of whatever disease he had. So that kind of gives us an idea of the superstition of the day, right? They were waiting for this pool to be stirred up because maybe, just maybe, if it bubbled at the right time, I could jump in and I could be healed. Now... um, other commentators like to say that this pool was just like a spa, so so it had like healing qualities. It was just warm water. We don't really know. if It could have been demonic, honestly. It could have been demo, a demonic presence that would stir up the water and, and lead astray all these people. Um, or it could have just been hot water, and we all like hot tubs, and they, they definitely make us feel better um, when we're sore. We love hot tubs. So maybe, maybe that was the pool. I don't really know. We don't really have a... An answer for that. Um, but it does give us a clue to why this man and others were lying there. Um, but either way, this man, he'd been there 38 years, he continually sat by the pool waiting for a blessing. <laughs> Imagine year after year waiting, watching, maybe seeing others get in and be healed. And here is this man trust, trusting in this pool for hope. How pathetic until we realize that we're just like him, right, we're just like him, because we don't trust in a pool, but we we trust in other things, right, to save us, to, to give us worth, we trust in relationships, oh, does he, does he think I'm, what does he think of me, does he like me, does, what do my friends think of me, do I have enough money Oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a church goer. I, I'm righteous. I, I serve a lot. These are all things that, that we can trust in, right? That we can say, I'm a, I'm a Sunday goer. I'm always there. I serve in the kids ministry. And we can trust in that over the Lord. Or we can take our, our natural abilities or our, the things that we've been given by the Lord and trust in them. This man, for this man, it was a pool. He, was, he had put all his hope in this pool to save him. And we're just like that with our own idols. So what is it for you? What, is, what, have, you been, what have you been trusting in? A good, a good way to kind of analyze this for you, a good question to ask yourself when you think about personal idols is, what do you worry about? Or what do you fear most? What makes you angry? Um, a lot of times, these are things we trust, that we rely on too much. Um, when my daughter gets sick, I worry a lot about my her health. I was uh, last week. I, I was up at night. My wife and I were kind of trading off. And and uh, when when my daughter, she had like a one hundred and two fever, and so she's literally shaking in my arms. Has anybody ever had a fever? And you're kind of like, you're cold, but you're hot. So imagine, like, that's miserable. But then holding your daughter and, like, watching her quiver and, like, you'll never feel more uh, powerless to help anyone when, when she has a fever. You just got to wait it out. And in that moment, I can get anxious, and it's because her health or her well-being is an idol in my heart. Because I I want that so much that it becomes... More and it blocks out my trust in the Lord, right? And in that moment, I don't need to worry more. I don't need to go, oh, she needs to drink more water. No, I need to pray, right? I see, Lord, you're the healer. Heal my daughter. And the same is true for us. The hero of the story is Jesus. He comes in. This man has been sitting there 38 years, maybe here. This is one of his spots. We don't know if he was there all 38 years. But Jesus singles him out and says, I can heal you. And the man doesn't even know that Jesus can heal him. He doesn't even ask if Jesus can heal him. Jesus is like, let me heal you. And he's like, well, the pool won't heal me. And Jesus is like, no, (laughs) no. Isn't that such a picture of us? We're like, these things will heal me. These things will give me worth. And Jesus is over here like, no, those are created things. Those are gifts that I have given you. Yes, they're good. But they're distractions. They can't make you fulfilled. And here's this man. He's a picture of us loving other things, trusting other things. Look to the healer, look to your healer. I just want to encourage you tonight. You guys know where you're at. I can't look into your soul, right? I don't know who you are, some of you are new. You know where you are before the Lord. And some of you have idols that you need to deal with, that you need to repent of, that you need, to, you need to realize. And others of us have never realized how deep of a sinner we are. You never thought that you are actually like this man, more like this man than you thought. As I was reading this, as I was studying for this passage, I, I was reminded of, of Ephesians 5, chapter 5, um, verse 14, where it says, Awake, O sleeper. You guys know this verse? Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. That's such a hopeful verse. Awake, O sleeper. Yes, you are asleep, because you don't know how sinful you are. You don't know how close to judgment you are, rightful judgment. You don't know how, 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 how much you miss God's mark, how much you fail his law. How much you fall short of the glory of God. Awake. Wake up. You don't know how much, how much sin you have stacked up every day and it keeps adding, it keeps piling on. There's more and you hang by a thread. Yeah, you have to repent. Awake, O oh sleeper, arise from the dead. Repent of your sin. Turn away. Stop sitting at the pool of your sin. Stop laying in the bed of your sin. Turn away, repent, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. And that's the most important thing. Christ, look to him. Look up to the healer. Because your New New Year's resolutions aren't going to save you. Because they didn't save you last year. (laughs) They didn't save me. You have to look to Christ. Only Jesus can awaken you. Only Jesus can give you new desires. Only Jesus can save you. So wake up and repent before it's too late. Before it's too late. You're spiritually sick, you and me, and we need a healer. So.